Thanks for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki alongside Tim Leonard, the only place on the entire internet for you to get daily Syracuse podcasts. We've got a great one in store for you today because alongside Tim and myself today, we have the former quarterback of your Syracuse Orange, Zach Mahoney. Zach, thanks so much for joining the show. Before we get into everything that happened in your career at Syracuse and both on and off the field, I first want to check in on you and your family. How are you guys doing during everything that's happening during this pandemic? Uh, we're all good. You know, we're all kind of, we're all over the place these days. I got a sister in North Carolina who's working in the hospitals there, but yeah, we're all staying healthy and we're trying to see as much positive as we can throughout this. How are, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I mean, I'm hanging in there. I know it's uh, it's tough. No sports on, no real sports on really. So just uh, kind of going through the archives of, of watching a lot of these old games and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. thank your sister for us, Zach, because that's that's really doing the work right now. Yeah, right that's on the really cool here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, d- I definitely will. Yeah, these uh, it's uh, it's hard watch or not having any sports on, but it just gives you more time for family and some of the more important things in life. So, what have you been up to lately? I know, obviously, you're you're a little out of graduating from Syracuse now, but what have you been doing, kind of during this time here, and also just lately? So uh, when I was when once I got done graduating at Syracuse, I went up to Canada for you know a cup of coffee in the CFL, <laughs> and for the next couple months, you know I tried pursuing uh, some of the tryouts for some of the other leagues, and unfortunately it just never worked out. So I started going on a, a real job hunt, and fortunately at the beginning of this year, towards the end of last year, I landed a a job at a commercial real estate company and back home in Chicago. So I'm working on there and, you know, these, uh, it's weird times that I get to work from home and, uh, try to push through this thing. It's a very interesting process. So I got to ask you, are you enjoying the work from home stuff or do you kind of wish you were going into the office a little bit? I mean, obviously when you get a rapport with the people that you work with, it's, you always want to, you know, see them and enjoy the the company of others. But it definitely has given me a lot of time to truly focus on the work that I'm doing now. And where I'm at is pretty much just busy work, so I have a lot of time to do that. So it's also nice that way. So I think we can go kind of chronological order here in your career, which is obviously a fascinating one for Syracuse fans because you've been involved in some really big games, you've broken some records and so on and so forth. But let's start kind of before Syracuse at high school. What was your high school career like? And during that time, did you have intentions to play in college? So when I originally entered high school, quarterback was not on really my radar. Uh, One of my good friends, Connor Onion, was the freshman quarterback, and he was deemed as kind of the next guy to be the quarterback of our team and lead us, you know, really through senior year. So I started playing receiver, started playing safety, and that's what I had played growing up as a kid. And then when I got to junior year, it really started to hit me. You know, I had a couple girl spurts, so I was now, you know, in a pretty good 
height and size quality to look at some of the other positions. And going into junior year, we had a couple injuries and a couple people quit. So Connor was the only quarterback on roster. And for whatever reason, people nominated me to be the backup and just throughout the summer ball and uh, impressed the coaches enough where they wanted to, you know, work with me and give me an opportunity. And I ended up starting the the last regular season game my junior year. Uh, only played for about a half, but had a really good half. And then we ended up going into playoffs, or I ended up starting junior year playoffs as the full-time guy. And that led into a summer that for me is the first spot where I said, you know, this is something that I truly can pursue. I've always wanted to play something in college. I thought it was going to be basketball for a long time, but my love for football just took over and I ended up going to some camps with a lot of talented guys. And when I looked at them, I think I just saw there wasn't much of a difference. Um, and I really wanted to just compete at the, at the highest level and play at a D one school. And then senior year, at that time, just unfortunately, because I was so late, a lot of schools had already given out their scholarships and some bigger schools that I could maybe walk on, but that wasn't something I wanted to do. I wanted to earn a spot and I wanted a chance to play. And uh, so I ended up going that junior college route first. Yeah. So, I mean, you bring up the end of your junior year. I kind of have a little bit of a beef with you because you actually knocked my high school out of the playoffs in what I guess was your second ever start at quarterback, if I'm interpreting everything right. Uh, but you yeah. went out and beat my high school, uh, Glenbrook South, in the in the playoffs. So um, uh, that's that was my first taste of the Zach Mahoney experience way back in the day. Um, but yeah, you also that, played uh, – yeah, that, that was a good game too. I believe it went to overtime and everything. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that was one of the games that – because that was one of the – first games where whatever reason I wasn't a hundred percent at uh, there mentally, like I was just tired. And the first play of the game, they had a blitz come right up the middle and I ended up dodging it. And we got a 20 yard gain downfield and seeing someone run full speed right at my face kind of just woke me up from the beginning. So <laughs> what I thought was going to be wow. a, a bad start ended up being the exact thing that I needed. Yeah. Um, but you also played high school with Jake Elliott, correct? Yep. Yeah. So Absolutely. have you kept in contact with him? And I guess I got to ask you too, are you a Bears fan as well? I am a Bears fan. Uh, I try, I do my best to, uh, keep up with Jake and stay connected with him. He's obviously a very busy guy, very, uh, popular guy. So I'll try to reach out to him every now and then, but he, uh, you know, anytime that he's, playing whether it be against the bears or whatever i'm very excited for him i'm happy i'm incredibly happy for the contract that he just signed and the extension he got with philly i think that's a perfect spot for him and i couldn't be more excited that he won a super bowl in his first year so when you go back and i mean you remember that that double doink game does it kind of upset you that hmm, he could have been the kicker for the bears <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I personally think that the Bears never should have gotten rid of Robbie Gold. I think there's a that. lot. Of, I think there's a lot of problems in the in the Chicago sports world organizations and the front offices that hopefully we can figure out soon. Um, but from the perspective of the Eagles being the Bears, 
that night I definitely was very disappointed because I thought the Bears had a team that could have won the Super Bowl, and obviously I would have loved to be at the parade. But at the same point, you know, seeing seeing a friend be as great as he is competing at that level and winning, you always want to root for them and hope he can just keep on bringing home trophies. Quick time out to talk about our friends over at Echelon. To get fit in 2020, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. And with all this time on our hands, what better way to get in shape? Go to echelonfit.com to discover the EX1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high quality at-home cycling experience at less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, and hey, even the kids who are squirming around now with all this schooling at home get them on the echelon bike as well and with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home you'll never have to step foot in a gym you'll love echelon so much but if you aren't 100 satisfied they'll give you your money back join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with echelon don't pay a ton for a peloton buy an echelon bike today for under a thousand dollars go to echelonfit.com l-o-n-f-l to learn about their limited time free apple ipad and complete details of this exclusive offer echelon it's your time that's echelon e-c-h-e-l-o-n fit.com slash l-o-n-f-l echelonfit.com slash l-o-n-f-l so now when you look back on your high school career here just how crazy it is to me that you went from barely starting and then barely even thinking about quarterback as an upperclassman in high school to what three four years later you're a significant contributor on Syracuse a high division one team so what do you say what do you think you would say to yourself as a high school senior junior when you're just talking to yourself saying I could be at Syracuse in three years did that even entertain your mind I don't know if it got to that point. I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, when I graduated high school, I weighed 170 pounds. I had, uh, so I had a lot of the, the talent and I had some of the stats that teams were looking for, but when they actually met me, they were pretty taken back by how skinny I was and how, uh, everything like that. Like I had a interaction with, uh, a coach at an SEC school where, they were actually coming to see the kid below me uh, throw the ball and I was running routes for him. And I, you know, I did a pretty good job because he thought I was still eligible. And I actually told him, no, I was a quarterback from last year. And he said, Oh, well, what school have you committed to? How many offers do you have? You know, cause he was impressed with everything. And then I said, none. And then he asked me how much I weighed and he kind of gave me a shrug. Like, yeah, when you weigh that little, you know, <laughs> some of the bigger schools, uh, frankly, he said, just didn't want to develop something like that. And, you know, it would have been, uh, it would have been interesting to see if I'd played at, you know, a little bit more or something like that. But I think everything worked out at the end. So what made you want to be, because you, you initially were a walk-on at Syracuse. Why, why did you prefer to be a walk-on at a, a high level FBS school as opposed to, okay, maybe I start right away at an FCS or I, I have a, a legitimate path to seeing playing time at some point at an FCS school, as opposed to betting on yourself at an FBS school. 
So my recruiting process coming out of junior college was a little hazy. Um, you know, the coaching staff there, the head coach, Matt Foster at COD is one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. And he had a lot on his plate. There were a lot of coaches at that time that frankly didn't, didn't see eye to eye with a lot of the players. And for me, I told them, you know, I want to play D1. I want to do this. I want to do that. And some of them just wouldn't give me the time of day to, you know, reach out to a school on my behalf. So I had to take a lot of that on my own. And it got to the point where I heard a little, some rumbles from some FCS schools, but it wasn't anything major. And, you know, I got in contact with Syracuse and they said, you can come here and compete. And, you know, for that to be the only school that said, we want you to come here and compete, it was a no brainer for me to choose there. So you kind of came in as a fifth stringer, basically, right? And how did you work your way up from there to get to the point where you were starting some really significant games and it just so happened you went against some ranked teams there, but how did you build up your resume and stuff? You know, there's a, there's a couple of funny stories when it comes to that because there are a lot of talented guys in front of me. Um, but starting off the season, you know, Terrell Hunt was there and he was primed for an extremely big career. And I feel bad that all the injuries happened to him and kind of derailed that. And then obviously Eric was there who is just an absolute stud and he's still playing and hopefully he gets a shot when this uh, when everything settles down here. Um, but the first guy who was in front of me, AJ Long, I actually surpassed him uh, on the depth chart the day that he broke his hand. And the reason he broke his hand is because I beat him in a race and then he punched a wall. And then, uh, <laughs> and from there, um, you know, it was just competing with, you know, good friend Austin Wilson and Eric and some of the other guys to try to move up. Uh, Coach Lesser did a very good job at, uh, giving people reps in spring ball to truly see who could play. And at the end of the day, my stats were good enough where I was able to move up another spot. And, you know, like I mentioned, unfortunately, uh, Terrell got hurt and then Eric unfortunately got hurt as well. So I was right there at that number three spot. Yeah. I mean, when you come in as that fifth stringer, I feel like most people would take kind of like that, that blue mountain state approach to everything, but clearly that wasn't the case with you. Um, so I remember, what was it? It was the Central Michigan game where you got your first taste of play. Was that correct? Yep. Um, and it was you and Austin Wilson. After Eric got hurt, you both saw reps at the end of the game. I don't remember if Austin got hurt, but if was it kind of like a quarterback competition at the end? A little bit. So this uh... – so Austin and I were competing for a while, and this actually kind of went back to spring ball. When we had our spring game and when we got into the the dome, my first pass, you know, I sailed it past the uh, the receiver probably by eight yards. <laughs> and, for what, and, you know, whether it was the nerves, getting used to everything, Coach Lester took that as me being too nervous to be on the field and I shouldn't play. And so the first spring game that I was there, I never – got on the field I never got a rep and but you know coach Lester and I had built up a rapport throughout the summer and then come time to the fall where he didn't know if he was going to be too sure of me so that's why Austin and I were splitting it and then when I finally calmed down and I could show that you know I can play a little bit and the nerves are gone 
that's when he kind of just said, you know, it's all yours. We're going to have Austin here if we need him, but right now we don't. When you come in as a fifth stringer, and we see position changes all the time, and you, you mentioned you have that wide receiver background. Did you ever think about switching positions? Uh, it it never has come across, and it got to a point where coaches had even said that there would other there would be guys to move before me, and I took that as a compliment to my quarterbacking skills. And frankly, as much as I would have loved to just see the field any way possible, I did feel that quarterback was my best position. And I mean, I definitely would have loved to you know switch it up and move around, but they they didn't feel the need at uh, you know, in high or in college to do that. Well, clearly it worked out for you. So your first career start is then the week after central Michigan and it's against LSU of all teams, Leonard Fournette, and they're coming into the dome. What do you remember from that week and just the lead up to it and everything and what's going through your mind at that point? It honestly didn't really hit me of, a lot of the hype or anything, the coaches and the guys around me were so supportive and so positive going into it that, you know, is it was kind of just like any other week. And I know that's kind of cliche, but if you're working hard at practice and you're putting in the hours in the film room and you're getting on the same page with everyone, the time it comes for the game, that should kind of be the easy part. Um, you know, unfortunately I say that we didn't score in the first half at all, but um you know, that's kind of how we were. We were, unfortunately, a lot of one-half games against some of the better teams. And, you know, who knows what where Syracuse history would be if we could have put some of those games together. I mean, you look at that defense that you played against with LSU, a number of future, not just pro guys, but like all pro-level guys. I mean, Jamal Adams was on that team. Um did you kind of have like a, whoa, welcome to the league moment in in like the first couple of plays that you were out there on the field? Not necessarily in the first couple of plays, but I think it was, um, I think it was the start of the s- second half that we start driving down and, you know, I'm doing my best not to turn the ball over, just take care of that because that's my number one priority. And I get out into the open field and this is normally where I had the biggest smile on my face because I'm a pretty confident runner. But for whatever reason, I felt like I was fumbling the ball, and I was one-on-one with Jamal Adams, and I made the worst move possible, got absolutely babied. I, he threw me down with one arm, and that's when I kind of, you know, got back up and was like, yeah, you know, you're going to need to pick your stuff up if you're going to be trying to make some plays out here because you just got babied with by one arm. <laughs> That'll uh, that'll wake you up. A little different than high school ball in Chicago, I guess. But uh, one thing yeah. that's interesting about you is you were there for Scott Schaefer and Dino Babers. And obviously you kind of won Scott Schaefer's last game for him a little bit. But once Dino came, what was different about the culture, if anything, from that point? The biggest thing was probably the discipline. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge Shafe guy. I'll make sure I try to talk to him every year, and I love him. He obviously helped give me my first opportunity in college, so I've got nothing but love and respect. When Coach Babers came, a lot of things that went under the radar were pushed off to the side with Schaefer were done. Um, and Babers just brought an in intensity that was 
very purposeful for players and kind of with everything that you do. I think the system itself, especially from an offensive perspective, is you need to be more disciplined because of the complexity of it, because it's not just run this throw here. There's a lot more that goes into it. So, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of stuff that, that changed. When you got your scholarship and it was from coach Babers and you see this guy who's coming over and trying to put his fingerprint all over and make sure the, the ship's all tightened up. Did it mean a little bit more that was coming from a guy like that? Uh, I mean, from a coaching perspective, it uh, it would have been nice to see it from Shafe, but unfortunately, you know, they got fired midway through the year before they could have uh, given me one. Uh, looking back on it, who knows? But, you know, I was extremely honored to receive one in the first place. And with it being from Babers, I, I felt, you know, a sense of responsibility and loyalty to – stay with him through the thick and the thin because of that. And it, I mean, it in itself, the scholarship just meant more than who was giving it to me. It was, uh, you know, it kind of solidified that you worked so hard to get here and now you've, uh, you've proven it. So I don't know how we made it this far without bringing this up, but your crowning achievement really at Syracuse, one of your crowning achievements is that, you broke Jim Brown's record for touchdowns in a single game in that wild Pittsburgh game. You had seven touchdowns, still stands today as the most touchdowns in a single game by a Syracuse player. So how's it feel to be better than Jim Brown a little bit? <laughs> uh, not anywhere in any facet am I better than Jim Brown. <laughs> the, you can mark all those touchdowns up to the, the guys around me if you look if you go back and look at those, I mean, I think we scored on the same play four times. The coach has called an incredible game. It's, it's very, I don't, I don't personally, I, it's a nice fact and it's kind of cool to say, but at the same point in time, we ended up losing the game, a game that we should have won, especially from an offensive perspective. But for, I'm a big believer in that you can't really cherish any loss you know you you just learn and move on so uh i do hate pit just a lot more than probably other teams because of that but uh you know at the end of the day kind of looking back you know a couple years down the road it is pretty cool to say that i did break the goats record so what was that whole experience like because i remember i think i was flying back to syracuse because i think that was around the thanksgiving break period and i think the oh, yeah. basketball team played a game that day and you guys actually outscored the basketball team if i remember correctly i believe they played south carolina in one of those thanksgiving tournaments so what was that whole experience like because i mean 61 points you should win in theory it was i mean it was interesting for because yeah we scored 61 points but we missed a lot of other stuff out there so just like any other game you you want to take the positive away but you also want to try to see what negatives were out there and how can you fix that moving forward um and i think it was kind of overshadowed because i believe that is um I think Deshaun Watson went off that week too. And a lot of the attention fortunately went to him and Clemson that week. 
Um, that may have even been the week that North Carolina State beat them. But whatever it was, it was, you know, there wasn't much attention from media or people after the fact of when it happened, other than the fact that uh, everyone thought, you know, I got a couple of texts saying, you know, what's going on? I thought this was the basketball game score and it wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, fortunately, it was kind of under the radar. It was like the highest scoring game of all time in regulation. Yeah, it, uh, to my knowledge, I believe it still is. I think the next year, uh, Western Michigan and Coach Lester ended up breaking it, but they went to a couple overtimes, and that was the game when the sister ran onto the field. Um, and then the LSU-Texas A&M game. Right, yeah. Uh, six, seven overtime game beat that. But, yeah, I mean, again, looking back, that still is kind of one of the, the cool things to say is that, you know, that's a record that's, going to be pretty tough to break for you know one game and regulation so was there a moment in that game where you looked up at the scoreboard at any point or you remember just thinking like this is pretty wild what's going on here uh yeah pretty much every time we stepped onto the field because for me I was uh wasn't feeling too well that game I actually threw up a couple times on the sideline and it was (laughs) so cold outside that you know, the big thing that I was telling people is, guys, let's just go score quick so we can get back to these heated benches under these jackets and just try to enjoy it. And every, uh, you know, it was pretty fun to go down, score, and realize we only took a minute and a half off the clock um, and that we could just kind of relax for a little bit before we had to go back out there and do it again. Single game record for Syracuse all time, seven touchdowns in a game while you weren't feeling well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there I mean, I think we're far enough removed out where I can say that it was Thanksgiving weekend. I enjoyed Thanksgiving a decent amount. Whether, you know, that Thursday of celebrating had affected it or if I was actually just sick. You know, there's a lot of discrepancy, a lot of up in the air about it, but yeah, it wasn't wasn't feeling too good, but I wasn't gonna let that stop me from uh trying to put on a show for the fans. So Michael Jordan had his flu game. You have what we'll call your Irish flu game. So you broke Jim Brown's record, and you were also on the same pedestal as Michael Jordan. How about that? Oh, we are getting just so out of hand. All right, so that's part one of two of our interview with Zach Mahoney. On tomorrow's episode, you'll get the back half of that. He dives into a lot more of his favorite memories at Syracuse, including some of the behind the scenes of that Clemson upset. Again, he was a member of that team. He wasn't the starting quarterback, but he had about as good of a seat in the house as you could have for that one. We'll also dive into some of his favorite things about Syracuse, not just the football program, but the school and the city itself, some of his favorite restaurants. And Zach's going to break my heart and deliver some shocking Chicago Bears news as well. So that's all on tomorrow's episode. Tune into that. Stay safe. Stay healthy out there, Orange fans. And be sure to check out everything else that's going on on the Locked On Podcast Network, including the Locked On ACC show. So be sure to tune in that one after you are done listening to this episode. All right, we'll talk to you with Zach Mahoney tomorrow. Tomorrow.